Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Uh, you know, we really did love our time in Cambodia. It, um, it was a time where uh, probably some of the, the greatest reward of our life, the greatest time of personal growth, uh, some of the most challenging times as well were there, but we really did uh, love being there and, and love being a, a part, a, just a really small part of uh, those the girls' lives that came into the, the She Rescue Home. And if you don't know, uh, the She Home is a shelter uh, for girls under 16 who have been trafficked uh, or sexually abused or at risk of, of that happening to them. And unfortunately in Cambodia, it is a very big problem. Um, over the time we were there, we had uh, 40 girls come through that home. Over the 11 years that the, the She Rescue Home has been there, over 100 girls uh, have come through that home and received uh, the care and the support uh, of, um, you know, of the shelter home, which really is an extension of, of us as a church. Um, you know, Pastor Lee uh, is the one that, that had the heart to, to start that organisation uh, 11 years ago. Uh, and it brings hope, it brings restoration, it brings healing to the life of a girl, um, but also the life of her family, uh, and even the life of, of the community. Um, and uh, it was amazing to be a part of that and uh, to see that being outworked uh, in the community there. Um, and so I've got a couple of photos. The first is three years ago when we first got to Cambodia. Um, that's us just... Uh, that's out the, at just at the front of the she home doors. Um, this was us last week. The next one. Yeah. So Belinda and I shrunk is what we uh, have decided. And, and obviously missionary kids still eat. Um, so. <laughs> uh, and so whilst it was a time of physical growth for the kids, it was certainly a time of um, personal growth for, for Belinda and I and, and even the kids giving them a whole different perspective on what life is and but when we left there um, and I remember being on this stage you know three and a half years ago and pre being prayed for we had no idea what to expect when we got to Cambodia uh, we'd been Belinda and I had been to third world country so we knew what it was going to look like but we just didn't know what to expect and people would ask me, oh, so what are you going to be doing there? What's your job? Uh, and in all honesty, I didn't know. And so uh, for some people, I pretended like I knew and, and said, yeah, we'll be doing this. I had no clue. Uh, and you know, I just, when I got there, I just had to fake it and pretend like I knew what I was doing and, uh, and I was here with purpose. And, and eventually, I sort of figured out what I was meant to be doing uh, over time. But we didn't really know what to expect. And there are times in life where that does happen. There are other times in life where you know exactly what to expect. So we arrived uh, in Brisbane on Wednesday morning and my mum was there waiting for us at the airport. She'd bought some balloons to embarrass me uh, and you know, she was so excited that we're back and uh, she, we did the most Australian thing you could. We went to Macca's uh, and so we went to Macca's for breakfast and there was no McDonald's in Cambodia and so the kids had been deprived uh, of McDonald's for, for a few years. And so they wanted to go there and so we went to Macca's and, uh, you know, to my no surprise, it tasted exactly like it always has tasted and always will taste. Because it will never change. And so I knew exactly what to expect when I went there. 
But there are some times in life where we actually expect less than what we should. Where we have lowered our expectations for whatever reason and our expectations should be up here but we're expecting here. And I want to look with you this morning at a story out of the book of Acts in chapter 3 about expecting more. And can I tell you this Christmas season to expect more? Acts 3, 1 to 10. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man who was lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who seeing Peter and John uh, looked, sorry, who seeing Peter and John uh, about to go into the temple, asked for alms and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They knew it was him who sat begging arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So here we have this man who was never walked a step in his life. He, he was born uh, disabled uh, and he was destined essentially to become a beggar. He lived in a society where there was no uh, community services, there was no money for people who had disabilities and so he had to fend for himself. And he comes to a place where he has found a spot where he begs and it's at the beautiful gate uh, that we're, that's at the temple. And you know, begging isn't very common in Australia. We don't see it a lot. We'll see it now and then. Um, but there are many, many places in the world where begging is, is just a part of life. You see this on a daily basis, people begging regularly. And usually beggars always have their spot, just like this guy. And the most common places where beggars will go is usually markets or restaurants. And the reason they do that is, is quite simply that they're, they're using the emotion of guilt to, to get money. That you're walking through a marketplace or uh, you know, a shopping centre if you like and you're uh, loaded up with bags uh, for all the presents at Christmas and you see someone who's dishevelled and uh, is asking for money and you do feel guilty that you've got all these bags that you've just spent all this money on and here's someone with nothing. Or at a restaurant, you're eating in a restaurant and uh, it always happens that they come past begging when they've just put the big plate of food in front of you. And you're there and uh, you can see that this is a, you know, you've got all this food, they've got everyone around you and here is the same thing. Someone comes and, uh, and, it's, and it's hard not to give because you want to do that out of that sense of, well, I have all of this and they have nothing. This man has chosen to go to the temple to beg and he, again, is playing on people's emotions, if you like, but he is using religious pride that as someone would come into the temple, they want others around them to, uh, to see that I'm a good person and I'm a, I'm a godly person and I care about others and so I'm going to place some money into, give some money to this man that he can get by. 
And for him, that was just his normal life. That's what he did every day. He'd be dropped off at the gate. He would stay there all day and just ask for money and ask for money. And that's, that's all he'd, that's, that was it. That was his normal. And so when Peter and John walk past, he's just assuming that normal is going to be normal. And he expects them to give him money because that's just what happens. It says in verse 5, he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them. So he wasn't even hoping he would get some money out of them. He wasn't uh, wishing he would get some money out. He just expected it because that was his normal. That's what people did. They just threw some coins at him uh, and, and that's what happened day in, day out. And what happens in life is we tend to get what we expect. And how you think about your life really is important because you get what you expect and you have people who will say, well, I will always be poor and I will never get ahead. And they tend to get that. Or you have people who say, well, I will never get that promotion and uh, so-and-so will always be favoured over me or uh, the boss doesn't like me and so I'll never get to where I want to get and so I just have to put up with this or I will never have that close, intimate friendship that I really crave uh, with that person or with someone. I'll just never have that. No one is ever going to love me or, uh, or choose me as a husband or a wife or whatever it is. And we get what we expect. And what happens is that your expectation becomes your limitation. That, that what you expect in life becomes the limit of where you're going to reach. That is why any leader will say that uh, you need to raise your expectations and if you want people to be here, your expectation needs to be here. <laughs> because our expectations become our limitations. And I was wondering about this man and wondering... Perhaps he didn't choose the temple just because in his mind he's scheming, where are people most likely to give to me? But perhaps he chose the temple because like any Jewish boy, he would have been raised with the stories of hearing that God is a miracle working God. And he would have heard the stories about people's, uh, you know being raised from the dead and people being healed and God doing incredible miracles that cannot be explained. And I wonder if there was something in him that said, if I can just get to the proximity of God, if I can just get close enough, then maybe God will have mercy on me and maybe God will give me the miracle. Wow. And he would go there every day and he would have that in his heart that today I'm going to get the miracle and he got money. And the next day he would go and today is going to be the day and maybe I can walk again and maybe I'll get the miracle and it's going to happen and he got money. And then the next day he goes and, and the same thing happens and then the next day he thinks, well, today I'm just going to get money. And what happens is over time we can begin to lower our expectations to deal with disappointment. Because disappointment comes when reality fails to meet our expectations. And so here is this man who has the expectation of a miracle and life disappoints him. And that happens so many times that he just begins not to expect the miracle anymore. He just expects money. And he just lives with that now for the rest of his life. 
And we so easily do that. I support two football teams. Uh, One, the mighty New South Wales Blues. That's the way. Two in a row. Pastor Sam tells me that's a dynasty, so I'm I'm, I'm taking that. (laughs) He's jumping ship next year. I also support the the not-so-mighty Balmain Tigers or, or West Tigers, uh, as they are now known, who are the, the masters at coming ninth. Uh, and for those that don't know rugby league, if you come ninth, you miss the finals. Eighth is the cutoff. And so five times, I think, out of the last ten years, we've, we've come ninth. And almost every time in the last, if we won the last game, we would have come eighth. But they always lose the last game. And so what I've done, I used to actually expect them to win because they're one of those teams that's... that's difficult because they're not so bad that you just never expect them to win they're sort of they're almost there that they just give you that little bit of hope but now I've just learned to okay I'm just I'm lowering my expectations (laughs) and so this year uh, Belinda is is a nice enough wife to sit and watch football with me Uh, and so we were watching a game and uh, it was two minutes to go and the Tigers were behind by six and I uh, no, it's done. Yeah, forget about it. Another game lost, but that's okay. I wasn't expecting them to win. It's fine. And she's like, no, you have to support your team. You have to you know, believe and, and hope that they'll get that. No, 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 it's all done. And then they score with about 40 seconds to go. And so now they're behind by four points. They kick the goal. They're, they're tired. They go into extra time. Who knows what could happen? And I said, no, they'll miss, they'll miss the goal. She's like, no, you need to believe. And, you need to, and, and the goal was right in front. Like Belinda probably could have kicked it. <laughs> it was an easy kick and, it, and, and they missed it and that's okay because I wasn't expecting them to win anyway <laughs> because I'd been disappointed so much and we can do that with mundane or silly things like football but you know how often we do that with serious things in our life that the disappointment and the hurt affects us so much that we just continue to lower and lower and lower our expectations. And at one point we had expectations of our, our marriage or our family or our relationships with others and, uh, and we get hurt and we get disappointed and we get betrayed or whatever it might be and so we just lower our expectations a step until we eventually get to a point where, where it doesn't hurt us anymore and we're guarding our heart. It can happen in your career. It can happen even within yourself. That you can get to a place where you think, I'll just never fit in. And so I'm just going to expect that no one's going to invite me to anything, that I'll never have friends, that, and especially around Christmas season, that uh, you know, the, the, the ideal out there is that it's a time of family and friends and uh, hanging out together, and, and people at Christmas time feel more lonely and isolated than any other time of year. And we lower our expectations on others and on ourselves because we've been so disappointed and hurt. And here is this man who really needed a miracle, but he's just settling for money. But thankfully, God is able to do miracles beyond our expectation. 
And God is able to see through all of those hurts and disappointments and, uh, and pinpoint what we really need in our life. And this is exactly what happens here in verse 7. It says, They took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Now this is an incredible miracle. This man has never stood on his feet in his whole life. And he has enough trust in these two men that he's never met before who say, if you just give me your hand, you'll stand. And there is going to have to be an element of trust in our life that is uh, released to God and to other people who God is working through that we would be able to grab onto their hand and just trust they're going to lift us up. And trust that God is able to do a miracle beyond our expectation. That even though we've always wanted this, but it's never happened before, it's never been our reality, but today I'm going to trust that it's going to be my reality. And so he does that. He grabs their hands, they lift him up, he begins to jump, to leap, to praise God, because they've given him a hand up, not just a hand out. And transformation starts with a hand up. They could have just thrown some coins in like everybody else and kept walking. And that man's life would have never been changed. But transformation starts with a hand up. And you see in verses 8, 9 and 10 that he is up, he is praising God, he is leaping. And every, says that everybody knew that it was that guy who would sit begging at the beautiful gate. It was him uh, that is now uh, jumping and dancing and praising and it says that they were filled with amazement at what had happened to him. You know, transformation uh, in you makes other people amazed. Transformation in community makes other people amazed. And that's why the greatest testimony of Jesus Christ is you. And how he's transformed your life and how he's able to have done a miracle in you that, uh, that that can be tangible for someone else that they can see, oh wow, you know, maybe you can do that for me too. And they lift him up because hand ups produce long term change. We saw many people uh, begging in Cambodia. It really was just a, a part of our daily life. We'd see it everywhere. Uh, and it's, it's very difficult, especially at first. And it's not that be, you become hardened to it, but you begin to understand things a little bit better. Um, it's so hard just not to give money. For those reasons that I mentioned, you just feel so guilty and you feel like, well, you know, I've got some money and to you, this, you know, to me it's 20 cents, but to you it's going to make a difference or it's going to contribute. But you have to understand and realise and, and every visitor that we had and teams that we had come over, we'd have to explain to them that, that by giving to beggars, you're just continuing the cycle of begging and of poverty, that they become just to rely upon that and what they need is to change their life and to be a part of many organisations that are in Cambodia that are able to give people a hand up. And you have to understand that what seems, what makes change and it's being involved and it's being linked to someone and it's allowing yourself to be linked to someone and allowing yourself to be changed by God. And this whole story to me looks so intentional. 
that Peter and John, you know, I don't believe this was coincidence or accident. They just happened to be walking past this guy that day and they thought, well, let's just try this. You know, it seems so intentional that, uh, that they saw him and they just knew that God's going to do a miracle in his life. And can you be that person who can look at someone and say, God can do more than you expect? And it works both ways. We, uh, we uh, are lifted up and we are able to lift up others. And I was thinking this morning that the, the vision for City Point Church is to unmistakably influence our world for good and for God. That's who we are as a church. That's, that's the heartbeat of who we are as a church. And it does work both ways. Because as Pastor Sam said, that I came in here six years ago and at the time, um, I was in a really bad place. Uh, you know, we were having a lot of difficulties with, with our faith and with our family. And, and there was a lot of chaos and turmoil going on in our world at that time. And uh, came into City Point uh, fairly broken, to be honest. And God was able to grab my hand and lift me up. And I'm so grateful for people like Pastor Sam and Carolina who are able to do the same thing and others around us who are able to help and support. And here we are six years later having had the most incredible journey of our lives because someone got involved and helped. There are two stories I want to leave with you about um, our time in Cambodia where we were able to, to do this with other people. One of them was uh, the, a cleaner that we had and uh, she worked for us for, for the last sort of year and a bit that we were there. She came in just twice a week. Um, and so we weren't paying her all of that much really uh, to us. It didn't seem like a whole lot. But we learnt um, just not that long before we left um, that she was a single mum and she had uh, a little girl uh, you know, I think it was about eight or ten, and, and this girl used to come often and, and be with the mum and, and hang out, and so we got to uh, see this girl and talk to her, uh, and we found out that before the mum worked for us doing cleaning, um, that her job was going through garbage, and that's how she made her money. She'd sort through garbage and try and find some things to recycle, and, uh, and she'd just go, and you see people like this again, uh, in a lot of places in Cambodia, just picking through, picking through garbage piles uh, and trying to, to make money that way. And the girl said that not only was she embarrassed by that, but her friends, the, the kids that she went to school with, uh, would tease her because that's what her mum did. And so she felt so embarrassed, she just stopped going to school. And when the mum uh, started working with us, she said it gave the mother dignity and it gave her a sense of dignity as well, that my mum's not that anymore, that she's, uh, she's got purpose. And so uh, this girl started going to school. She now can speak pretty good English. Uh, we were able to talk to her. She was our translator to the mum because the mum spoke no English. And so, uh, you know, this girl now has, uh, has life has changed because we, uh, we gave this lady a hand up. She had no experience. She just came along and, and she said, I've, I'm, you know, I'm, Single mum, can you help? And we could have said, well, yeah, here's $10 or here's a bag of groceries and this is going to help. But instead, we gave her a hand up and that girl's life has changed. Another one uh, is a girl that I will call Shreyna. 
Um, she was a girl who was at the she home. Uh, she came into the, the home when she was about 12 years old. She had been exploited in her community. She was broken. Uh, she was sad. She would cry often, and many of the girls do, but, but Srena particularly was, uh, was sad and, and cried a lot. And uh, she always said that she had a headache. And uh, this was a, just a, a very, very broken situation that this girl was in. But every now and then, in those first few months, every now and then, you'd see her smile. And she just had the most beautiful smile. She was such a beautiful young girl. But then she'd be sad again. And as we worked with her, as our uh, local staff worked with her there and gave her counselling and, uh, and support, uh, she, she began to change. And you began to see a girl who was confident, who was happy. Uh, she was an incredible leader. She would, ended up organising all the other girls in the home and telling them what to do. And uh, she's a wonderful, wonderful girl. She went home to her grandparents about a year ago. And just before we left, Belinda and I uh, had to go and see her. She was, uh, you know, we loved all of the girls, um, but, but there was something particularly about her. Um, that, that we really did connect with and uh, had, had a, a relationship with. And so we went to see her at her grandparents' house um, just before we left. Uh, and so she's there and we're, we're talking to her. She's off selling uh, on the side of the road at her grandparents' little shop. Um, and as we speak to her, she's, she's happy. She's full of hope. She's telling us about the school that she goes to down the road and she's in grade eight, which uh, for a 15-year-old girl in Cambodia to be in grade eight is really, really good. And so she's a very intelligent young girl and she's doing extra classes to, to get ahead and she's saying that she wants to be a teacher because we were able to give her a hand up. And she's just one of the girls. If you go to sherescuehome.org, she's one of the girls you can sponsor uh, and continue that process. Our social worker has to drive four hours just to see her. And so she does that once a month and makes sure that she's doing well. Um, and we were, you know, we were so proud of where this girl has come from to where she is now. And someone could have looked at her situation and said, well, here's a little bit of money, but that wouldn't have fixed anything. But giving her a hand up has changed her life. And... One of the last things we said to her is we want to see you in five years, ten years and, and see that you're a teacher, that you've got a family, that things are doing well. And Belinda said she's not allowed to have a boyfriend. <laughs> and how this works, it works both ways, that we need to expect more, that we need to get to a place where our lowered expectations start to rise again. That we start to uh, again believe for that which has been put by the wayside and begin to believe God and allow Him to uh, you know, lift us up and trust Him again and trust others around us again. And we then need to be that blessing to someone else. Abraham said, I've been blessed, therefore I'm going to bless others. We've been lifted up, we should be part of lifting up others. And this Christmas season is... Uh, is the best time to do that. There are people in this community that are broken and hurting that may not look like they are. And you can be a part of that reaching down to say, you know what? I expect more out of you than you expect out of yourself. 
there is a miracle for you that you've given up on that is available to you today if you would just trust in Jesus. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.